You're listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. You could also turn to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. You're really going to want a Bible this morning. So if if you don't, uh, if you didn't bring your Bible, there's Bibles on the table. And you could, uh, you could steal one of those. You could bring it home if you want. If you don't have a Bible, we want you to have a Bible so you could steal it. We got plenty. Um, <clears throat> open up to Revelation chapter 21. This is about the new heaven, the new earth, the new Jerusalem. And it's fascinating. We're going to be talking about heaven this morning. Sound like fun? Yeah. I think so. The new Jerusalem. Revelation chapter 21. The very end of the Bible. Verse 1. Revelation 21.1 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth, that's this earth we think, had no, uh, were passed away and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men and he will be with them. That by, that, by the way, is the definition we're going to use for heaven this morning. The dwelling of God is with men, and he will be with them. Um, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Sounds like a good time, don't you think? I think so, too. I've invited uh, Bruce to come up and open us in prayer this morning as we study heaven. Just bow your heads. God, we just thank you for this day, Lord. And we just thank you that we can come and just worship you, Lord God, and just freedom. We just have the freedom to come and come together and just worship you and learn about your word, Lord God, and learn about heaven. Heaven is just such an incredible concept, Lord. And we ask that you just show each and every one of us something new that we've never really thought about, Lord God. Just give us a new perspective on heaven. And uh, bless Joe and lead Joe as he comes and speaks. In Jesus' name, man. Amen. Well, there's lots and lots of misperceptions about heaven. Lots of people have various ideas of what heaven is going to be like. Um, I want to tell you a story of what a lot of people kind of think heaven is going to be like. And to do this, we need to cue the music. If there's a song that can be demonic, well, keep it on because we want to experience this. Uh, maybe just turn it down a little bit so we don't go insane. Um, I was at Disney World, the one in Orlando, in uh, January, and while it was cold and snowy here, Erica, my wife, has a job at Young Life, which is this amazing company, by the way. Woo! And uh, they flew us, they flew every employee of Young Life to Orlando for this conference and gave us all, one of the days was a free day, and we had a free day pass to Disney World, and it was just sweet. It was in the middle of the week, so it wasn't that crowded, um, and it was the happiest place on earth. Erica and I had, had never been before, but two things happened that were very, maybe disappointing. The first one one of the, the rides that I was really looking forward to, Splash Mountain. It was closed that day. 
I could have cried. I, I, I went to the bathroom and cried. <laughs> uh, Splash Mountain was closed, and so instead of going to Splash Mountain, you just when you go to Disney World, you just have to go to this ride. With the, you hear the music, right? It's a small world, and it's. I think the term ride is used very loosely because it's more like you're sitting on this boat that's really on tracks, and you're like going like less than walking speed. Um, if you've never been on the ride, the, the, the cover of your skillet today has pictures of the happy little children with their happy little smiles. And um, on the ride, you're going th- the For some reason, it was the middle of the week. None of the other rides had a long line. But, of course, the Small World line was, like, out the door around the corner. Um, I have no idea why. Um, <clears throat> kids don't even like this ride. And so you're on the ride... We're waiting in line, hearing this music, going insane, and there was like a bar going down the middle, like we're just leaning on this bar, and it ended up that we were on one side, and all of our friends, uh, Sam and Jake are here, they were on the other side of the bar, and uh, we turned, it turned out to be like this bar was separating a line, and so the line ended up separating, and we didn't even get to ride with our friends, and our friends were like three boats ahead, and they're like, yeah, uh, and we're just like, this, this sucks. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> basically, the ride is just going through different areas of the world, like Asia, India, Middle East, uh, and there's these dumb little kids smiling and dancing. And, and at the end of the ride, the last room is like heaven. And all the people, uh, like they're, if they're black, they're black. If they're white, they're white. If they're Asian, they're Asian. Are in this room but they're all wearing white. The whole room is white, and I think they turn up the music really loud, and you're just like, eh, get the point. And uh, some people think of heaven as a very boring place, a place where there'll just be lots of goody-two-shoes smiling, and and the same song being played over and over again, uh, that we will have no passions or desires. We'll just have, everything will just be so nice, like it's a small world, and... uh, (laughs) And I think there's a huge misconception because some people picture heaven like that last room in It's a Small World Ride. And that, my friends, I hope to God, is nothing like heaven is going to be. And so uh, this morning we're going to talk about misperceptions of heaven. This whole month, by the way, is the topic of heaven and hell, if I could announce that to you. Uh, Come all this month. Uh, We're going to have various speakers, uh, some people besides me, that have researched heaven and hell and Um, Next time, for instance, Noelle Goodland. Do you know her? Women's pastor of the mill. She is an amazing lady. She's going to be teaching us. And um, and if you're new, by the way, just as as way of announcements, uh, if you're brand new to the mill, to the mill Sunday school, uh, we invite you to fill out one of these. There's there's some scattered on your tables and stuff. Give us your information. We'll send you email updates and cool stuff about what's going on with the mill. And in exchange for this, we will give you a CD. And so just bring that to the front table there. The CD has some songs and a sermon on it of the mill. Just a little gift, just for coming to the mill Sunday school. Pretty cool, don't you think? Plus you got biscuits. Oh, half of you got biscuits and gravy. For some reason, like we have a rule around here that the early bird gets the worm or the early bird gets the biscuits and gravy. And uh, we say Sunday school starts at 9.45, come early for breakfast. But I think if you were here at 9.30, the breakfast was, people were just like heaping on biscuits and gravy. And uh, the rule is, if you get here early enough, you could have as much as you want. (laughs) So I guess just come a little early next time. I apologize if we ran out on you. 
But uh, let's talk about some misperceptions of heaven. Most people, even Christians, have this idea of heaven that is a cutting and pasting of just random religions, random TV shows like Touched by an Angel or movies like Bruce Almighty, The Heaven Scene, where you think heaven is going to be like this. I've seen it in the movies. And traditionally, there's even like a uh, very famous Dante's Paradise, uh, Dante's Divine Comedy or Milton's Paradise Lost, these books that were written a long time ago. And those, have, those ideas have kind of been brought into people's minds and imaginations of what heaven is is going to be like. And some people don't have a very good idea of heaven. For instance, this quote by, um, by Mark Twain. He says, Go to heaven for the climate, hell for the company. I mean, if, if, if heaven is going to be like, if heaven is going to be like this, it's a small world, smiling. Uh, you don't want to be with those people. If that's really your perception of heaven, then I, then, then I could see why he could say that. This quote is even a little darker, I think. This, this next quote comes from a guy named William Faulkner. You may have read some of his stuff in an advanced placement English class in high school. I didn't. I, was, I wasn't smart enough. Um, but he is an author from the Southern Bible Belt, not a Christian, kind of fell into alcoholism and was a writer and kind of wrote sarcastically about Christian faith coming from the South. And he said this. He said, I'm bad and I'm going to hell and I don't care. I'd rather be in hell than anywhere you are. It's pretty sad, don't you think? This, this passage, um, the, the same, the Mark Twain wrote a book called Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. Ever, anybody ever read, read that? It's pretty fun to read. Um, on the first page, actually second page, first chapter of the book, there's a conversation between Huckleberry Finn, this kid that's kind of like an outlaw, and uh, Miss Watson, this Christian lady who's taking care of him. This is what Miss Watson uh, says. Mrs. Watson would say, don't put your feet up there, Huckleberry. Don't scrunch up like that, Huckleberry. Sit up straight. And pretty soon she'd say, don't gap and stretch like that, Huckleberry. Why don't you try to behave? Then she told me all about the bad place, hell. And she said, and then I said, I wished I was there. And she got mad, but, she, but I didn't mean any harm. All I wanted was to go somewheres. All I wanted was a change. I weren't particular. And she said that was a wicked thing to say. And she said she, she, she would not say it for the whole world. She was going to live in the good place, heaven. Well, I couldn't see no advantage in going to where she was going, so I made up my mind I wouldn't try for it. But I never said so because it would only make trouble and wouldn't do no good. And then, and then now she got a start, and she started telling me about heaven. She said, all a body would have to do is go around, laying around all day with a harp and sing forever and ever. <laughs> so I didn't think much of it, but I never said so. And I asked her if, I, if she reckoned Tom Sawyer would grow, go there. And she said, not by a considerable sight. And I was glad about that, because I wanted him and me to be together. So you're telling this little boy... That, that's, that runs around and, and causes trouble and is all about uh, mischievousness and, and having a good time, that heaven, this place of eternal destiny, is going to be like floating around with a harp and singing forever and ever. <laughs> it's, it's, it doesn't sound that nice. Um, I want to I say something, to, two things I want to say today. First is that would it be okay if... If the ideas that you have about heaven, and some of us have a very vivid imaginations or things that 
we think are going to be in heaven. If, if, if you have an idea about heaven, that, for instance, we're going to be laying in a cloud with a harp and singing forever and ever. If you have an idea like that and can't find direct biblical evidence, would it be okay today to, to lay that aside and say, what does the Bible really say about heaven? Is it, is it okay if, if some of the perceptions that you have that you can't uh, find a passage of Scripture in the Bible that directly proves the thing that you think? Would it be okay if you set that aside? All right. The second thing I want to say is sometimes people, and, and I, before researching heaven uh, for this week's Sunday school topic, which has been fascinating, by the way, um, we have this idea that heaven is going to be so nice and wonderful and we can't even imagine it. So why try? Have you, heard, have you thought that? I've kind of thought that. That if, if heaven's this place that's going to be so wonderful, there's just no point in, in thinking about it because it's just going to be too wonderful to think about, right? Well, that's, I think, let's lay that idea aside. And uh, I thought of analogy. Um, actually, the analogy comes from this book I've been, that I've been researching, Randy Elkhorn, um, Heaven. Is any, have you ever seen this book before? If you're, if you're at all fascinated by what we talk about today, Go out and get it. Basically, it's a systematic theological textbook on heaven. And it, it's actually pretty easy to read. Randy Elkhorn is like the expert on Christian heaven. And a lot of research that I've done has come out of this book. And he said, it'd be like this. Um, if you met someone from NASA and, and you're like, dude, you're from NASA. And they're like, yes, I am. I work at NASA. And, and you're like, well, what do you do there? And they're like, well, for the last five years, I've been training to be an astronaut. I'm like, sweet, where are you going to go? And then they would say something like, well, we're, we're going to start a new colony on Mars. It's like, wow, that's sweet. And you start asking them, so what have you learned in these last five years of research and, and going to Mars to start a new colony? And then he says, well, we've learned all about the shuttle that we're going to ride over on. We could steer that thing in our sleep. We've learned all about the no-gravity situation as we're flying and how to cook and clean and go to the bathroom in no gravity and how to sleep with no gravity and all this cool stuff. And you're like, wow, that's so sweet. So you're going to Mars. You're going to live there for the rest of your life. You're not, you're not going to be able to come back. You're going to start a colony on Mars. And you ask them the question, what is Mars going to be like? And they say, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess we'll figure it out when we get there. Are you insane? You're going to live there for the rest of your life. And, you, and you, you've just researched on how to get there. You haven't researched like what it's going to be like on Mars. That's a little silly, don't you think? And so heaven, so the two, idea, two main ideas today are let's, let's put, aside things that, put aside ideas about heaven that we can't directly support with Scripture because Scripture is our guide, right? Right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> And let's put aside ideas that we can't find in Scripture about heaven, and let's research it. The Bible does say some stuff about heaven. And so let's dive into it. Um, first off, uh, on your notes, if, you, if you're taking notes, uh, the, one of the main things is the definition of heaven. This is the definition that I want to give you of heaven. It's, it's, a, it's a definition that it just really makes sense. The definition of heaven, the place... Where the place God has made his permanent dwelling. The place God has made his permanent dwelling. And um, and I want to get, I wish there was, I wish Sunday school was like three hours long um, to explain all the cool stuff, but three hours would be a little much. I mean, at some point you got to go to the bathroom, you know? Um, 
And, and, and so I won't have time to get into this too much. It, it may be a topic that we bring up later in this month of the whole month of, of heaven and hell. But when we die, we go, uh, Jesus said paradise. Sound like a good place? That Jesus is dying on the cross next to a thief. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. Sounds like a pretty sweet place, right? I mean, today you'll be with me in paradise. Um, and so we'll be in paradise. We'll be in uh, a heaven, so to speak. But uh, throughout scriptures, also this idea that, that we're going to go somewhere and then a heaven is being created for us. And then when Jesus comes back and returns, he's going to take the dead in Christ and we're going to go to like the eternal, eternal heaven, the new earth, the new heaven, the new Jerusalem. Have you ever heard that? I mean, it's, it's kind of a weird thought to think about that maybe no one's ever taught on. And, and we may get to it in the Mill Sunday School um, but I want to talk specifically today about that eternal heaven. Um, Brady Boyd has the analogy about that whole, because some of us might be concerned about, whoa, we're not going to heaven as soon as we die. We're going to paradise, and then there's a heaven. Brady Boyd, uh, in one of his sermons, uh, gave an analogy like this. Pretend you're a billionaire, like not just a millionaire, but like a billionaire, like billions of monies. Um, <laughs> and uh, you want to make a house for your retirement. And so you meet with the architects and you're like, spare no expense. I want a swimming pool. No, I want like three swimming pools inside, outside, uh, over the, the, oh, I want a lake on my house. I want like, I want like, I want the house to be underwater and then, and then like come above water. And you're like, I want to have my own island in the Caribbean. And I want a, I want a, (laughs) like a helicopter pad to land on and and all this cool stuff. And that's the place where you're going to retire because you got, you're, you're a billionaire, right? the place where you're going to live for the rest of your life. And then in the meantime, the house that you're living in, it sells. And so you, your house is being built, and so you have to go to like a hotel. And so since you're a billionaire, you're like, I'll go to a five-star hotel, uh, a really nice hotel, and live in that for a year or so until my house is built. That's kind of the analogy that, that, that Brady used, at least, to describe this. You'll be in paradise, but there'll be another paradise, an even better heavenly New Jerusalem, new earth, new heaven paradise that will be for all of, all of eternity. Did I confuse a lot of people? Oh, yeah, everybody's <laughs> like. Um, so, so I say that just to, to say that the heaven we're talking about today is the eternal new earth, new heaven, new Jerusalem heaven for all eternity heaven. Forever and ever and ever. So that then this, so the definition of heaven I think is a good one that we're using today the place God has made his permanent dwelling. And so let's jump into it. I have four misconceptions I I want to go over today. These are listed on your notes. Number 1, heaven's not going to be boring. Number 2, we're not going to have a loss of desires. Number 3, there's not going to be a loss of memory of what happened on earth. And number 4, um uh, number four is a loss of individuality. Do you want to tackle each one of those? I know that some of the misperceptions I've had about heaven, even like two weeks ago before researching some of this, like my idea of heaven was kind of like the it's a small world thing, kind of, kind of a little boring. Um, and so heaven's not going to be boring. Here's another quote for you about a boring heaven, though, by a non-Christian, a sci-fi writer. You may have heard of him or read some of his stuff, Isaac Asimov. He says, I don't believe in the afterlife. For whatever the tortures of hell, I think the boredom of heaven would be worse. People have this perception that heaven is going to be boring. It's not going to be boring. Let me prove it to you. Some people might say, 
that heaven is going to be like this non-ending church service. That sounds boring, doesn't it? I mean, let's, uh, let's lay aside our religious stuff and be like, yeah, a non-ending church service is boring. <laughs> Can I say that? I'm a pastor. I don't even know. Um, I, this one time I went to an all-day, all-night worship service. And it was sweet. Uh, there was really, there truly was moments in that day slash night where the presence of God, it was just like, hit me and I was worshiping and it was awesome. Um, but legitimately at the end of that day and night of worshiping, I was done. I was ready to get something to eat and go to bed and rest and do something else, right? I mean, can I be honest? <laughs> And so uh, heaven is not going to be a non-ending church service. Let me prove it to you. Open up your Bibles, because we're going to look at the Bible a lot today. Uh, and it, I'll give you time to flip to the passages that we're going to be looking at. But I really want you to look at them today, if you're okay with that, to see them with your own eyes. Uh, Revelation chapter 21. Revelation, the last book of the Bible. Uh, a weird book of the Bible. But it, just because it's weird doesn't mean we could read it, right? Doesn't mean we can't read it, right? Yeah, it's a good book. Um, it's a good book of the Bible. Revelation 21, verse 22. It says this, I did not see a temple in the city. He's describing the New Jerusalem, the city in the heaven heaven, right? He says, he says I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. So is there going to be church in heaven? No, there's no need for church. Why would we gather together and talk about God? God's right there. You're like, he's right there. Just go ask him. He, there's no temple. There's no, uh, there's no, I guess, I mean, I could assume there'd be no church building. I mean, why would you go to a building to worship God? He's right there. Why would you go over here and, and spend time? You're like, he's rare. Just worship him. Just talk to him. And so uh, misconception number one, that church, that heaven's going to be a non-ending church service we don't even think there's going to be a, I don't even think there's going to be a church service in heaven because God's right there. Pretty sweet, don't you think? Everybody say yes. I think so too. Uh, here, here, heaven will not be boring. Uh, look at this passage, same chapter, Revelation 21. It's the passage we read this morning. And this is John, the, the disciple of Jesus, the one whom, uh, it says, the one whom Jesus loved. But he kind of wrote that, so I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, Revelation 21, 2. And it says this, I saw the holy city. We're going to talk about the holy city in a moment. The holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed. See that? Beautifully dressed for her husband. Now, I've, I've been married one year, two months, in 17 days. I, I, I had to calculate that this morning. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, uh, on my wedding day, I'm at the, the groom's at the front, the bride, my wife, Erica. That, that was not a boring moment. Uh, like in all of my life, the, the word boring was nowhere near what I was thinking. It was my future wife, dressed in white, coming down the aisle that's that's the imagery of us seeing the new heaven sound boring to you 
No, it's like the, the only thing John could write about, the only thing he could describe. He's like, wow, I see this site, this city coming down, and it's where I'm going to live. It's what I'm going to inherit. And the only way he can describe it is like, it's a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Isn't that sweet? Not boring at all. Not boring one bit. Let's talk about this city that, that, that is on the new heaven and the new earth. It, say, it says that this earth will pass away. Everybody say, ah. Oh. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> who cares? There's a new one coming. A new heaven and a new earth. And it says, a new Jerusalem coming down from heaven, from God. And it, it, I don't know if it really, if it lands on earth, the new earth. It doesn't say it lands, but it, maybe it hovers. I, I assume it lands and it's like the city on earth. And this is how big the city is. Uh, look at verse 15. Uh, Revelation 21, verse 15 says, The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its walls. And the city was laid out like a square as long as it was wide. And he measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia, whatever that means. And so I have a sweet study Bible. And since I have a study Bible, I can look down and it says that this this, uh, amount of space is 1,400 miles so this is just a city. The 1,400 miles is like a good stretch across the United States, right? So that's just one city. Maybe the only city, I don't know. But that city sits on the new earth. We can maybe just assume, I don't know. I guess we shouldn't assume. Let's look at scripture. But maybe that the earth is a lot bigger if that's just one city. Maybe there's other cities. I don't know. It says that this city is on the new heaven and its gates are open. And it describes the gates. So it seems like you could come and go through this city and go into the new earth and hang out. And uh, you don't just, you're not just trapped in this new city, which is, by the way, as big as like the United States. I mean, if you're trapped in a city that big, like who cares anyway, it's big enough, you know. But not only that, but the gates are open. You can go out and there's more to explore. Does that sound boring to anybody? No, that sounds sick. Like sick in a good way. <laughs> um... <laughs> And then finally, uh, to, to add to the idea that heaven won't be boring, um, a lot of us in here are, are, are nerds, right? I mean, we, we like learning, and we lo- we're not ashamed to be the nerds of the mill. And uh, some, somebody said, and I don't know where, people just make stuff up when it comes to heaven, I think. But someone said, oh, as soon as you get to heaven, you'll just automatically know everything. And, and you're like, oh, that'd be sweet. But then you're like, That'd be boring. There's nothing new to learn, right? Doesn't that sound kind of boring? You're just like, I know everything. Da, 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 da. Uh, look at, uh, we're going to look at a, a scripture in a moment. We'll go there in a moment. I'll just tell it to you now. It's in Revelation 6. But it says that the people in heaven ask God a question. If people are asking God a question, you could kind of assume that they don't know everything, Right? Yeah, and then I have, a, I have a scripture that I really do want you to turn to. It's the Ephesians 6. So you could keep, if you have little tassel things like my Bible has, because I'm very spiritual, uh, you, could leave a, <laughs> you could leave a tassel in Revelation. I don't know why I said that. Go to Ephesians 2, verse 6 and 7. And this, this has a lot to do with what we'll be uh, learning in heaven or uh, being seen in heaven are being shown in heaven i mean uh revel excuse me ephesians 2 chapter 2 verse 6 and i'm going to read 6 and 7 and it says 
And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. And that word show, my, my study Bible says that that word can mean exhibit or prove or maybe even teach. That in the coming age, he might show. And so it's the, it's the present tense. He's going to show us stuff about his incomparable riches of his grace. There's other passages about just the idea of sitting at Jesus' feet learning in heaven. Pretty sweet, don't you think? So it's not, I mean, to me, like an idea that we get to heaven and just know everything is, is cool. But I don't know that you could prove that in Scripture. And um, even though it's a cool idea... In the end, it kind of seems boring if you just get to heaven and you know everything automatically, right? So heaven is going to be a place of learning. It's going to be a place of exploring. The gates are open. Um, There's going to be streams in heaven. I'll show you a passage that that says there'll be streams in heaven. And I say that just because I've I've picked up fly fishing. And uh, (laughs) that's sweet. Anyways, uh, that has nothing to do with anything. Um, Sometimes I just have random thoughts in my head. But that, that concludes, uh, at least in my mind, that helps me see heaven's not going to be boring. And another misconception. So misconception number two in your notes. Big outline deal here. Uh, four, four points. Point number two. There, there's not going to be a loss of desire when we get to heaven. Somebody said, uh, and, and maybe I had this misperception too, that when we get to heaven, all our desires will instantly be filled, Right? And so that is kind of cool. You're like, wow, anything you want, you just desire it, and it's yours. But then it's like, well, if we already have all the desires, like, already fulfilled, then is it like we don't have any desires? And then we're just like, I have no desires, la, 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 la. And you're just, like, smiling, like, dancing and singing. Um, That kind of seems boring. And it kind of seems like a loss of desires. That doesn't sound any fun. And then somebody asked the question, is there going to be food in heaven? If there's not going to be any desires, are we, are we not going to be eating in heaven? That stinks. I want, some, I want some biscuits and gravy in heaven. I didn't get any at that day at Sunday school. <laughs> and uh, can I show you? And there's, there's a verse that, that says, um, if you want to turn there, you can, because we're flipping fools today, flipping all over the Bible. Uh, Revelation 7:16 is a really cool verse. Uh, I'll read it for you. So go back to Revelation. I think we're going to spend the rest of the time in Revelation, so you could kind of turn there and and stay there with your little tassel thing. Um, uh, Revelation 7.16 is is a pretty famous verse in thinking about heaven, and it says, Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them with scorching heat, for the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd and lead them to springs of living water. And so people concentrate on that first part and say, there's not going to be any thirst. There's not going to be any hunger. And so you might just assume, oh, so that means there won't be any food, that we won't have any desires to eat anything. And, and I think that could be further from the truth because the reason why there's going to be no hunger and thirst is because there's going to be an abundance. It says that the lamb is going to lead them to springs of living water. So you're going to be drinking some sweet water up there. And, um, and I mean, no hunger, no thirst is really good news um, to the majority of the people on this earth that are you know, living on a dollar a day and, and, and hungry, sending their beds, kids to bed hungry at night because they just don't have enough food. And so this idea in heaven that there's not going to be any hunger or thirst is a really cool thing. 
But it doesn't mean that we're not going to have an appetite. It doesn't mean that we're not going to be eating anything. Let me prove it to you. Uh, Revelation 2, 7 talks about uh, a tree, a tree of life. Um, Revelation 2, 7 says uh, this. 2, 7 he who has an ear, let him hear what the, what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Will we be, will we be eating in heaven? Yeah, it's, I mean, we'll, we'll have the right to eat from the tree of life. If you want another verse about eating, because um, some of us like eating. <clears throat> it's kind of fun, you know, sit around and eat stuff with people and talk and have a good old time. Uh, Revelation 21, verse 1. So flip, keep flipping around today. And I, ho- I hope you're flipping with me because I, I really want you to see like the verses and be like, yeah, okay, that's what heaven's going to be like. I don't see any verses about a harp and laying in clouds and boringness. Um, I see this stuff. Revelation 21, verse 1. Uh, wait, is that the wrong one? Oh, it's 22. Did I say 22? I'm sorry, I meant 22. Revelation 22, next chapter, verse 1. Then an angel showed me a river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb down in the middle of the, of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. Probably some good stuff. And then, the le- and then it says this, which I, I don't know if I understand. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. And it says, no longer will there be any curse. And the throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. And it, it, so it says that there's going to be trees, or a tree, a tree, yielding crops of fruit um, for us to eat. And so there's, there's stuff up there to eat. There's, there's stuff to drink up there. Um, I just say up there. It's going to be a new earth. It's not up anywhere. This earth is going to pass away. It's going to be a whole new earth and a new heaven, and a new Jerusalem. But this idea that, that we'll have an appetite in heaven, is kind of, it, you kind of get excited about that? We're going to be eating some good stuff up there. We're going to be visiting with people. Um, this whole tree of life thing and eating from its fruit, does that sound familiar to anybody? Does it sound familiar to like maybe like the first part of Genesis when uh, <laughs> there's a tree and they're not supposed to eat of it, Adam and Eve aren't supposed to eat of it, and, and they do anyways, and then a curse comes on the land. It's pretty cool to think about that this tree, uh, the tree of life, it says, we're going to be able to eat from it. That's pretty cool, don't you think? I think it's pretty cool. And I think when we get to heaven, uh, and, and we'll look at a scripture where it's okay to ask questions, I'm going to ask Adam and Eve, like, how is this heaven compared to, like, the first earth before the fall? And I, I would just be interested in, I mean, for us, it's going to be like going home. For them, it's kind of going to be like coming home, that they've, in a way, experienced some sort of paradise that, um, but I mean, there was a tree there and they couldn't eat of it. It seems like we're going to be able to eat of the tree in heaven. Um, and so the heaven, heaven is going to be tons better. It's a new earth, new heaven. I mean, it just sounds a lot better. Um, but before the curse, it's just a fascinating thing to think about, don't you think? I think so. Um, let's see, what else do I want to say? So there's, there's no curse on the land i, w- I want to say something else about um just the kind of boring and uh, no passions the, this the, when i thought of this i was just a very weird thing that i thought of 
and uh, I want to say it carefully because it's about wine and alcohol. And uh, some the wine and alcohol is the, because of the curse. It's a it's a substance that can be abused. It's a substance that people can use alcohol to escape life or get nervous or stressed out or want to enjoy themselves, so they get drunk and stupid. And uh, and then you think of the disease of alcoholism and someone that just can't live without a drink, you know, and and this curse that's on alcohol. But um, in heaven, <laughs> there's going to be some alcohol up there. That's just weird to think about, right? And I don't want to spend too much time on this. But Jesus says, um, Jesus is at the Last Supper, and he doesn't eat or drink anything after this. And, and Jesus says, if you, if you want to turn there, you can. I'm just going to read it off here. It's Luke 22:18, And Jesus says, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom comes. It doesn't say he's not going to drink of the fruit of the vine ever again. It says he's not going to drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom comes. And so I could kind of assume from that. Plus, there's, there's, uh, there's just evidence. If you read the book of Revelation, there's other instances in which wine is mentioned. Like, that doesn't sound like it's a small world, happy kid place, does it? I mean, there's going to be some wine up there. Um, and, and the wine isn't going to have the curse that, that is on it on the earth, that, that we could abuse this substance or we could use it to escape. Um, that's, I mean, why would you want to escape heaven? It's like the real deal, right? Um, that's as, that's as much as I wanted to say about that, but it was, just, it was an interesting thought that I had. Um, we're going to have some sweet, maybe just, we're just going to have passion in heaven. There's not going to be a loss of desire. Would you mind flipping one more time to Revelation six? And I'm going to, I'm going to read a verse nine through 11, actually just nine through, uh, 10 for right now. And this is some people in heaven, um, Asking God a question so we could realize, we could think that, okay, in heaven we won't instantly know everything because these people are asking questions. And the question that they ask doesn't seem like a happy, smiley question. Listen to their question. It says this in verse 9 of Revelation 6. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God, martyrs, and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? It doesn't sound like it's a small world, does it? It sounds like there's some passion there. It, this, this passage actually says a lot. And, and this is obviously the, I'm just going to, sillyly, is that a word? Silly, lee? call it the pre-heaven of the paradise what jesus is called paradise this is obviously before the earth is destroyed because they're looking down from heaven and so this kind of shows us that people who die before us they could they could see what's going on interesting to think about don't you think have you ever wondered that this passage seems to show that and they're looking down and saying how long god will you avenge how long until you avenge our blood sounds like a very passionate question don't you think and some of you might think, and then I thought this too, uh, okay, if there's people wanting other people to be avenged in heaven, that doesn't sound like a happy place. It sounds like people are wanting justice and judgment, and it doesn't sound like it's a small world happy place, does it? No, it doesn't. And so what I came to a conclusion of is heaven, we're going to have real passions, real desires. We're going to be in the presence of joy. It's not like God 
gives us joy in heaven, but God is joy in heaven. And it, it's going to be a very good place, a very fulfilling place. We'll have desires, some of those desires, maybe all of them will be fulfilled in some way or another. Um, but we're not going to just lose this passion and have a blank stare and a smile on our face and like just floating around singing songs. It seems like there's, there's some passion in heaven, which seems like a good deal to me. Does it seem like a good deal to you? It's, it seems that way to me. And so there'll be passion in heaven. What this passage also says as a side note, do you want a side note? Okay, some of you do. I'll give it to you, just for the some of you that do. Um, a side note would say, okay, these people that, people that died, martyrs that died, are, are in a paradise right now. And they're looking down and, and asking the Lord, how long until our blood is re- avenged? So that means two things. That means that the theology of soul sleep, I don't know if you've ever heard of that, this idea that as soon as we die, we're just like blank, just sleeping, literally. We, we cease to exist. And then when the new heaven and new earth, the new Jerusalem is created, we ascend to that new heaven, new earth. Um, there, there, I mean, lots of passages kind of contradict that. Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise, not today you'll be with me sleeping, knowing nothing, thinking nothing. Um, so it comes against that. It also comes against this idea of purgatory, that you go to this place where people on earth can either pray you up or pray you down, um, and, and you could still kind of do some good works. It seems like they're in a paradise. I mean, Jesus says you'll be in paradise today. He doesn't say you'll be in purgatory waiting for your mom to pray for you so that you can go to the real heaven. That, I mean, that, that's just some side notes. Okay to throw in those side notes? Okay. Uh, let's talk about number three, the loss of memory. Will we have a memory of what happened on earth? Will we know people when we get there? I think yes and yes. Wait, what was the first question? Will we have a loss of memory? No. Will we know people when we get to heaven? Yes, we will. Um, Revelation 6 says uh, it seems like there there's people that have remembered things that have happened on earth. I mean, they're asking how long to you uh, avenge our blood. They obviously have some memory that they were slain and killed because they were Jesus followers. Um, if you want to turn here, I'm just going to read this one verse, and then we'll turn back. So permission not to turn if you don't want to. Uh, Genesis 25, verse uh, 7, 8, 9. Um, this is... Uh, this is the very first passage about an afterlife in the Bible, reading from Genesis on. Uh, This is the first passage, and it says this, Altogether, Abraham lived 175 years. Then Abraham breathed his last and died at a good old age, an old man full of years. He was gathered to his people. Does it seem like you'll recognize your peoples, your peeps, when you get to heaven? Yeah, it seems like that to me. He's gathered to them. And so I think you'll recognize your peeps and you'll recognize your friends. You'll be gathered to them. That's some good news, don't you think? I think that's really good news. It's it's good to think about. Um, so there won't be a loss of memory. That That's all I wanted to say about that. The last and final one, the loss of individuality. We have this idea that um, maybe we'll just be like one in the choir, all singing to God, and we'll just be like, la, 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 la. And uh, we'll just, we'll all be together, and we'll just all be singing to God, and we'll be in one chorus. Uh, there's some verses about that, 
But then there's some verses about individuality that I want to show you. That you will have a resurrected body. There's passages that say that. There's passages that I want to show you that, that you'll be an individual in heaven. You won't just be a part of this blob ocean of joy. Like you'll, you'll, you'll be an you'll be a individual. And C.S. Lewis put it this way, if I could read a quote for you. C.S. Lewis said this, If all experienced God in the same way and returned to Him in identical worship, the song of the church triumphant would have no symphony. It would be like an orchestra in which all the instruments played the same note. Kind of, kind of good, good quote. Uh, Revelation 6, are you, ba- are you back there? Uh, Revelation 6, that's the passage we were looking at. Look at verse 11. This is just kind of cool. So they, they cry out in a loud voice, Who, how long to you avenge our blood? And then verse 11 Revelation 6.11 says, Then each of them was given a white robe. Each of them given a white robe. So there's this individuality that happens. We're each honored in our own way with this, with this, with this gift of a, of a white robe. These people are. And then in John, um, John chapter 14, I'm going to read this real quick. You could turn there if you want. Uh, permission not to turn if you don't want to, to this one. I'm just going to read it really quickly. John 14 Verses 1 through 4. John 14, 1 through 4 says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. And also uh, where I am. And you, you know the way to the place where I am going. And so Jesus is, is Jesus says his in his father's house are many rooms being prepared for us. So we're gonna maybe we'll have our own room, you know, a little privacy, shut the door. You know, I don't know. It, it says we'll have our own room. I mean it doesn't say we'll have our own room, but it says many rooms. And so um, there's this idea of individuality. I want to talk about a bigger idea right now that I think uh, next week in Sunday school. Noel Goodland is uh, our Mill Women's Pastor. She's going to be teaching us a very practical message about what we should do now in order to think about heaven later. And um, there's this idea that we'll be given gifts and treasures um, dependent upon works that we do on earth. And I want to be very clear about this, that we do not go to heaven based upon anything that we do other than belief in Jesus Christ. We believe in Jesus. He's our Lord and Savior. He's our Savior because He took our sins away from us when He died on the cross so that we get to heaven uh, on the basis of a faith in Jesus Christ, not by works at all. But in the same notion, there, there seems to be a ton of passages talking about storing up treasures in heaven. I mean, the disciples of Jesus had this same question. They come to Jesus uh, in, in Matthew 18, 1 to 4-ish. And uh, they come to Jesus, and I imagine they're like, dude, you ask him. No, you ask him. I don't want to be that guy. You ask him. You ask him. And they ask him, Jesus, who will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Do you remember that passage? I mean, that's basically saying like, dude, how much treasure am I going to have in heaven? And, and then one, it says somewhere else that the, the sons of Zebedee, uh, the sons of Zebedee, what was it, John and James? Yeah, John and James, their mom, <laughs> I just imagine this going on. It's like, Mom, stop, don't do it. 
you're embarrassing us. James and John's mom go to Jesus and say, Jesus, when, when, when my boys get to heaven, can one of them be at your right hand? <laughs> I mean, what a good question to kind of ask. Like, is there going to be um, different individuals having different treasures when it gets to heaven? And I think the answer throughout Scripture is yes. And that answer is dependent upon what we do with this life on this earth right now, building up treasures for ourselves when we get to heaven. But as a, as a reminder, we, are, we do not get to heaven based upon um, our works. We, we may have a certain amount of treasures, more or less, dependent upon our works. And uh, that's kind of a confusing idea, don't you think? It's an idea that is kind of new to my way of thinking. I remember thinking about this about a year ago and thinking, man, they're going to start building up some treasures in heaven. Um, and thinking through, like, man... I gotta. I really gotta build some treasures in heaven, and uh, <laughs> um, I just have this random thought in my head that I don't want to get into because we're about out of time. Um, but um, in heaven, there'll there'll be various. Here's what I want to say: that the idea that someone might have a bigger treasure or a bigger house or a bigger room than you have in heaven. You think about that and you're like, dude, I don't want a small house and be embarrassed because my house is small and somebody else's house is huge. Um, and and in heaven, I think it's this way. Uh, this is this is another Brady Boyd analogy. But he said, in heaven, it'll be the first time that you'll be perfectly happy with a participant's ribbon. Do you remember that? In, did you get one of those in school? I remember this... Uh, race derby thing what's it called when you rate get in a car and you rate this little derby thing and you race down this hill uh <laughs> i was in boy scouts and and i was at this derby and there's like first place and then there's like and then i'll call it second place i call it first runner up second runner up um third runner up it's really third runner up it's really fourth place but they don't want to say it's, it sounds a little better um and i kept on trying it was a weird day because like you could race as many times as you wanted and you try to beat your own time and the person with the best time of the day wins first place and uh there's like this really fat kid that won and if you know anything about gravity and uh like <laughs> over basically everything is pulled down the same acceleration but you could overcome gravity the more you weigh and uh, of course this fat kid was just lined up to win you know and uh <laughs> i was like the skinny little kid like a too skinny of a kid and i kept on trying and trying and trying and they gave out like first place first second third fourth fifth sixth seventh eighth ninth and tenth runner up and all i got all the rest of the kids got was this participants ribbon and i was ticked i went home and threw it in the trash and i cried i was ticked that i didn't do very well and um i don't think that's the way it's going to be in heaven there there's going to be so much joy in heaven in this place and god is the source of all joy and we're going to be okay. And, and David, the psalmist, puts it this way in Psalm 84, 10. Um, he, he says, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God. Someone like David, perfectly okay with being a doorkeeper. Someone that opens up a door. That's, that's what they do. Um, that's... You're going to be okay no matter when you get to heaven. There's going to be treasures. Some people are going to have more and less. It seems clear throughout Scripture that that is true. Um, but as a word of encouragement, 
You're going to be okay with the participant's ribbon. You're going to be okay there. It's going to be all good. Uh, I want to close with this story. It's about uh, RSVPing. You know what that stands for? I had to look it up. I didn't know. I was like, what does that even mean? It's French for respondez s'il vous plaît. If you knew that, that's like a fun fact to know. Um, Basically, just respond, please. Um, uh, There was this lady, a singer. She's a famous singer. She got invited to a wedding, not just to attend, but to sing in this wedding. And the wedding was a million-dollar wedding. If you don't think there's such a thing, there is. There's there's million-dollar weddings, people spending a million dollars on a day of celebration. And... uh, the reception, the, the wedding was amazing. This famous singer was there. She sang at the wedding. And then reception time. And she goes to the reception. It's in Manhattan, downtown. She goes to the penthouse, the top floor of, the, of this, this huge building and a beautiful luxury hotel. And up there is this private reception for all the guests of the wedding. And she gets up there, and there is a person up there with a book, a book of people that are to attend the wedding. And it says in Scripture, um, uh, just out of comparison, that there's something called the Lamb's Book of Life and names written in that Lamb's Book of Life. And if your name is found in the Lamb's Book of Life, then you're a member of heaven. And this was a common thing back in the olden days, the ancient days, before passports and IDs, that you'd go to a city and you're like, bro, let me in. And he would say, what's your name? And the inhabitants of the city would have their name listed on that piece of paper. And if you were not listed then you weren't allowed in the city and you were probably punished for trying to fake the the book holder that your name was in there. And so going back to the story, this lady goes up, lady and her husband go up the elevator, are about to go into the room and they're looking in and they see just amazing, like a million dollar reception. Caviar, which is gross. I don't know why rich people eat it. Um, Lobsters and music, live band. Um, Just this most beautiful reception that you could ever even imagine. And she gets to the man with the book, and she says her name and her husband's name, and the guy's like, hmm, not seeing it here. Could you spell it? And so they spell their first name, their last name, and that finally the man says, I'm sorry, your name is not in here. Uh, and he, he, he looks at one of the servants and says, would you mind escorting them to the service elevator? And they go to the elevator, and they go down, and the woman is just weeping. And, and the husband says, well, what happened back there? And, and she says, I forgot to RSVP. I, didn't, I was the singer in the wedding. I didn't, I didn't think that I had to RSVP. I thought they'd just all know me. And, and in heaven, there, there's going to be a book, the Lamb's Book of Life, it says. And, and as, as, I, um, as I close in prayer, I want you to, to ask yourself, have you RSVP'd to God? Have you responded to the call of God? Would you bow your head with me? So, God, we do worship you. We praise you. God, we are motivated by heaven. We are, we are thinking of details and, and some of the things that was talked about this morning. God, we are excited about that. We are excited to be in your presence. And so, God, on this earth, as, as we prepare ourselves to enter into an eternal paradise with you, Jesus, God, we take a moment and just we look at our own heart and say, God, we respond to you. God, we respond to your call and know that there's nothing we can do on our own, a good, good enough works in order to inherit this heaven. Because, God, you are a perfect God. You demand perfection. 
And so, Jesus, we place our trust in you, our God who died on a cross, our perfect God who died there to take our sins away. And so, God, we love you. We respond to you now and say, God, remember me when you're in your kingdom, just as that, as that, as that man died next to you on the cross. Jesus, remember me when you're in your kingdom and that you might turn to us and say, today you will be with me in paradise. That the day we die, that day we'll be in paradise with you and looking forward to even a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem. So God, we look at these details and we are excited about heaven and the things to come. So we love you and praise you. And everybody said, Amen.